Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben Arnott, and I'd like to welcome you to this very special bonus episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, Australia's first barbecue podcast. If you're into competition barbecue, you might be interested in my free ebook, 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. I've drawn on my experience as both competitor and judge to offer you exclusive inside knowledge to help you make the most of your competition experience. Head to smokinghotconfessions.com slash comp dash ready to get your copy now. There's also a link in the description. Well, folks, this is exciting. Just before episode 10 launched, where I interviewed Brett Connell from the Flaming Mongrels about sponsorship, I went up to the Sunshine Coast to judge at the Malula Barbecue Festival. While I was there, I met a great guy named Julian DeSouza who told me about a festival he was putting together called the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. We chatted back and forth, and two days later, I got an email asking if I'd like to host the live Q&A session that he had on the schedule. I just couldn't let that opportunity slip by, and so of course, I signed up straight away. The theme I came up with was, from backyard to pit yard, what inspires competitive barbecuers? I then enlisted the always helpful Ralph and Chris from the Shank Brothers, who you remember from episode 9. Boyd from Sangropa Barbecue, currently the number two ranked team in Australia and had travelled 56 hours across the country from Western Australia, as well as George and Sean from Serial Grillers, a brand new team who were making their debut at the roadshow. It was simply an incredible day. The venue was perfect on about five acres of land at the Doombin Racecourse in Brisbane, Queensland. The weather was just Incredible. Couldn't have been better. There was barely a cloud in the sky and beautiful, warm Queensland summer sun. There were craft beer companies selling some of the best ice-cold beers I've ever had, as well as 30 barbecue teams and all sorts of barbecue vendors ranging from food vans to suppliers. Major congrats need to go to the Meat Sweats for picking up Grand Champion, Barbecue Mafia for Reserve Grand Champion, and the Smoking Hot Bros for third. There was only 25 points between first and third, so it was a really tight competition. Before we head into the Q&A, I just need to point out that there is a bit of wind noise in the recording. Not on the guest mics, of course, just mine. There was also a question that got asked before the mic could get run out to the person in the crowd. Fortunately, it was a question clarifying the previous question, so the recording still flows together well. Without further ado... Let's head into the Smoking Hot Confessions live Q&A session at the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow 2017. Check it out. This is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? This chat is going to be hosted by Ben Arnott, who has Australia's first beer, uh, beef podcast, barbecue podcast, um, and it's Smoking Hot Confessions Big round of applause for uh, Ben Arnott from SmokingHotConfessions.com. Thank you very much. Ben, you have uh, Australia's first barbecue podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's Talking right. about beef um, on, on radio, do you have a big audience or do, do you have a very enthusiastic audience of people who want to learn more? Uh, small audience, but growing incredibly rapidly, um, as, of course, the low and slow barbecue scene is picking up, as you can see here today. Um, just two short years ago, we were in very small venues, and now we're on, what, five acres? 
Um, so it's just it's incredible how rapidly the whole scene is growing. And we've um, got teams as far as, from as far away as WA competing uh, this weekend. We do. He has driven for days across the Nullarbor, and uh, we are going to talk about that in uh, in a couple of minutes. He's risked death to be here. And uh, how did you get into barbecue yourself, and how did you come to start a podcast? Um, it's actually a quite interesting story. I um, found myself a stay-at-home dad for a period of time and uh, just decided, right, I'm going to spend as much time outside as I can. And I just had my, uh, you know, everyone's got one, the four burner gas barbecue from Bunnings. And yeah, I started getting into that and getting into that. And my mother-in-law's from Arkansas. And uh, when she came out to visit us, my wife said, oh, Ben's right into barbecue. You've got to go and have a look at his barbecue. And we walked out the back and I showed her the, the gas barbecue from Bunnings. And she, she went, wasn't disappointed, was she? Oh, she said, oh, honey, that's not barbecue. And I said, whatever do you mean? <laughs> And that was the end of that. So, uh, and then uh, five years later, here I am now. So, well, smoking hot confessions of the podcast. Tell us about the teams that you're uh, going to be having a chat with now in the uh, barbecue and A. I've gone out of my way to uh, to pick some of the widest range of teams that we uh, have here today to get a whole different range of perspectives. So, to kick it off, we've got uh, the Shank Brothers. Uh, the Shank Brothers have been competing virtually since day one of the competition scene in Australia. They're one of the most experienced teams. Um, you've seen them on Channel 7 on the uh, barbecue competition show that was on there. And after that, we've got San Groper Barbecue, who's um, the guy that's come all the way across the Nullarbor to join us. And then to get a new perspective, we've got a team who are, have debuted at this competition this weekend. So we're going to get the full range of, uh, of opinions on topics today. Awesome. Without any further ado, uh, Ben, uh, let's take it, uh, call up the teams. Thank you very much. All right, we have uh, Ralph and Chris from the Shank Brothers. G'day, mate. Good to see you. G'day, mate. And Boyd from, uh, from San Groper Barbecue. Travelled from WA, people. Driven across the Nullarbor. And we've got George and Sean, our debut competition barbecuers from Cereal Grillers. Quite possibly the coolest name I've heard in a long time. G'day. All right, so I'll just start off by giving you a little bit of background information about each of these uh, three teams that we've got up here joining us today. So first of all, we've got Ralph and Chris from the Shank Brothers. And if you haven't heard of the Shank Brothers, you may have been living under an actual rock. Um, the Shank Brothers are without a doubt Australia's highest profile team. This is not only... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that? I like that. All right, all right. Um, this is not only because they consistently turn out top 10 quality barbecue, but because they're also experts in branding and using social media to build a public profile. You've seen them on TV's Aussie Barbecue Heroes, and now they're here to share their secrets with us. So please give them a warm welcome. <laughs> Moving on down, sitting in the middle. We have Boyd Colgan from Sangropa Barbecue. Uh, Boyd grew up on a small farm in southwest South Australia, uh, sorry, southwest Western Australia, where he raised and butchered his own animals. But it wasn't until he got his first catering gig that he really got bitten by the low and slow bug. 80 people at a cricket club with a box of Wagyu brisket. Not a bad way to start. This led to a six week journey, hitting all the best barbecue joints in the US, followed by another six weeks when he got home, locked himself in his shed. He, completed, he first competed at Meatstock Sydney 2016 and, haven't, and hasn't stopped since, 
having travelled across the Nullarbor again for a comp in Melbourne and now driven all the way up the east coast to join us here today. If you're wondering what he did in that six weeks in the shed, he built that monster trailer that's over there behind his tent. Check it out when we're done here. It is incredible. And obviously very well built. It's been back and forth across the Nullarbor uh, three times, four times, five. Five times backwards and forwards across the Nullarbor. There you go. And leading up the rear down the end there, we've got George Alderson and Sean Martin from Serial Grillers. <laughs> I got a bit more for them than that. Serial Grillers is made up of four mates from Brisbane and the sunny coast, cooking on nothing but salvaged and homemade barbecues. With their newfound love of low and slow barbecue, the boys decided to take the big step from the backyard to the pit yard, with today's competition being their debut event. Armed with second-hand webbers and a homemade trailer smoker, I had a look at that before, they've actually managed to build beer kegs onto the front of the trailer. That's another one to check out. The, uh, the van over there behind us. Check that out when we're done here as well. Uh, the future is looking very bright for these young lads. Can we give them a warm, of, a warm welcome to, please? <laughs> so with such a wide uh, range of backgrounds here and experience in competition barbecue, the topic we're going to be talking about today is from the backyard to the pit yard, what drives barbecue competitors? So without further ado, I've got some questions that we're going to get the opinions from each of these, and then I've got some individual questions for them, and then we're going to run a mic down so you can ask some questions of them yourselves. So, starting off with our Shank brothers. Casting your minds back to when you first got into competition barbecue, could you describe the moment when you realised you had to make the move from the backyard to the pit yard? Um, okay, well, yeah, I guess, I guess you sort of, uh, you come to events like these, I guess. Um, you, you get a little taste of barbecue and, and the lifestyle and the, the smell of the smoke. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty addictive, you know. Like, what do you reckon? Yeah, we, we were obviously hooked early on. And it, like any red-blooded Australian male, I think we said, oh, we could do better than that, mate. And uh, Let's give it a crack. You know, you, the, the, next, the next kind of thought is I need a team and all your mates spring to mind. And, and then it's about giving it a go. And that was our first, I guess, the first big step was forming that team, coming up with a name and saying, we're going to hit that next big comp. Awesome. All righty, Boyd. So, mate... What was it for you, mate? When did you realise that you had to uh, step out of the backyard and into the pit yard? Um, when I was over in the US, I uh, managed to do a, um, a visitor's judging course for um, Hogan on Near, And um, just basically, in Western Australia, we don't have a lot of low and slow, so you don't really get to understand what the flavour profiles are and what you should be aiming for. And, um, yeah, after tasting it at that event, I... Th rated myself pretty highly, and I thought, I, I could probably do this. There you go. So. Back to my earlier point. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, uh, and the lads, George and Sean, our most recent uh, competitors. So think back, way back to last week, um, when you uh, decided to make the jump. Yeah, so obviously, um, you know, we just we enjoy cooking ourselves in our backyard, um, and we just thought it'd be really cool to have the opportunity to come here and do it on a larger scale, um, spend the night with our mates and the other competitors here, have a chat to everyone, learn some new stuff, um, and just have a good time, basically. Excellent. Yeah. All right. While you're still on the mic, yep. 
What's been the highlight of your barbecue career so far, and what do you attribute to this? Well, I guess, like, uh, this weekend's obviously the highlight of our very short career so far. Um, yeah, we just, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a really good night. Um, we got to have a, like I said before, we had a, a lot of chats with a few guys around, learned some tips, um, had a few beers. Um, yeah. um, I reckon just being able to get all five of those categories done, getting them handed in. We almost didn't get the last one in because we had a little bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, just being able to get it all done, being able to spend the weekend here. I got to take three weeks off work so that I could like spend a bit of time practicing and running on the trailer and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's just good to be able to do this instead of going to work every day. I got, I got two questions in response to that. Did you actually say three weeks and are you hiring? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was three weeks, um, but yeah, had to do a bit of a visit up north for a little while first, see some family and stuff, and I'm an apprentice butcher, so we don't get a lot of time off, so we sort of, I took the opportunity, Christmas is over, so we got, yeah, a bit of, bit of free time, which is handy. <laughs> awesome. All right, Boyd, what has been the highlight for you so far, and to what do you attribute that? I was um, lucky enough last year to have a couple of good events towards the end of the year, and... Um, yeah, unf uh, unfortunately, but I was pretty stoked with it. Um, finished second overall in the ABA last year, so... In um, Australia. <laughs> in Australia. Car, what? Yeah. Uh, what attributed? I don't know. Um, addiction, I suppose. And just a lack of morals. There you have it. From the number two team in Australia. Addiction and a lack of morals. That's what you need to work on. Okay. Shag Brothers, what has been the highlight of your career so far and how did you get there? Well, I think if I'm going to speak on behalf of Chris and the team, our highlight would have to be Bangalore. Um, get, getting grand champion at Bangalore was is a big moment for us. We've been trying for a few years and as they said, we were always the bridesmaids. And it's so difficult. It's very, very hard to, um, to get a placement and to get a call up, let alone a grand championship. So to get that was incredible for us and it was just a, 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 just a great way to see out the year for us. I was actually there and I saw when you won that and it was like a 1980s Toyota Land Cruiser commercial. The entire team launched into the air with the arms up and the ankles up behind the butt and leaping and screaming and uh, it was impressive. We cried like babies, we hugged like little girlies. I mean, it was, it was incredible. That's what we live for. So fingers crossed today, eh? I don't know. Watch out for the Toyota jump, it's coming, it's coming. All right, so what's been one of the biggest challenges that you faced then and how did you overcome it? Um, I, th I think from my point of view, like it's very difficult to align four or five guys in a team, you know, to, to get, you know, you've got life, you're balancing life, you're balancing all these things and when it, yeah, you've got to try and get them all in the one place at the one time and like the boys at the end said, um, you know, it, it's it's a great feat to hand in each category and just tick it off and go, we did that. It's not, it's not, it really isn't about, it really isn't about winning all the time. You know, if you can just get that box up there and feel within yourself that you've had a good time and a good event and, you know, like it, it's not elitist. Anybody can do it. Anybody is welcome. It's, it's, there's no... You know, like every single team will welcome you and, and give you advice. It, there's a couple that won't, but we, we won't talk about them. But, yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a great thing to be able to just 
put five boxes up and get that done. So it's a real sense of achievement to set those goals Absolutely. and then tick those goals off. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Boyd, how about you, mate? What's been uh, the uh, biggest challenge you faced, and how did you uh, conquer it? Uh, trying to keep me job at work and not. <laughs> Um, well, just 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 on that topic, when did you actually cross to the east coast on this on, on this trip? Uh, two and a half weeks ago. Two and a half weeks ago, and uh, what have you been doing for the last two and a half weeks? Having a holiday. Having a holiday. <laughs> Not quite the answer I was going for. He actually competed in Melbourne. Uh, what was that? Ten days ago? Two two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. And has been making his way up the coast to come and compete with here, uh, compete here with us today. So, uh, so that's incredible. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, I oh, know. It's just it's um, obviously travelling from the west coast over here. Um, everything takes a lot of time um, and a lot of diesel. So, um, yeah, it's it, I'm lucky enough to you know have worked for a company for you know 12 years. So, plenty of uh, annual leave. Well, used to have plenty of annual leave. So, fantastic. Lads, what's one of the biggest challenges you faced? I guess for us it was just, uh, you know, making sure we had everything prepared. Um, it's our first competition. We didn't really know what to expect, what we needed to do, what we needed to have ready. Um, we had to finish the trailer. We literally painted that yesterday morning, so that was a bit of a challenge. Um, but, yeah, it's just, just, you know, the first competition, just not really knowing what to expect. And, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge. That leads very nicely into the next question. So now that you've experienced a competition... What is something that you were stressing about before as a backyard barbecuer that you now realise you really shouldn't have been stressing about? <laughs> we had plenty of stress. There was plenty of stress in the camp uh, pretty much this morning. Um, but, yeah, I think it all, uh, you know, like George said, we got, we got five things turned in, so um, we probably had a bit of stress we didn't really need. Um, we, we couldn't get our ribs to fit in the turn-in box in the end, but... Um, we got there, and we got there. <laughs> Cigarette-powered hacksaw blade. That's, that, that's a good tip right there. Yeah. Boyd, how about you, mate? What was something that you used to really stress about in the backyard that now you realise is, is not something to stress about? I, it, it's more, I suppose, the whole... About cooking barbecue, like, in terms of temperatures, it doesn't matter what temperature you cook at, it's what the meat's doing. Um... It doesn't matter you cook at 220 or 275, 300. It, it, it doesn't matter. As long as you pay attention to what the meat's doing, now it's just put it in and, yeah, when it's ready, it's ready. There's not a, not a great deal you can do about it. So um, luckily enough, I do a fair bit of catering, so I get to practice a hell of a lot. So, um, yeah, you get used to your pit and what the meat does and, you know, how long it takes. But, yeah, if for one tip would be just... Don't stress about it. Just allow you, allow yourself enough time and um, buy a good quality Esky or a Cambro and, um, yeah, at least you can hold it. It's hard to hurry it up. For those who may not be familiar with that tip that you're talking about, can you explain a little bit more about that? Um, so, <laughs> say if you've got a brisket or a pork shoulder or something and it hits your temperature you want, if you've wrapped it, pull it out, air it, so it, um, give it a 10-minute spell just so it um, stops the cooking process and that way it won't overshoot. Um, wrap it back up in your L-foil, wrap it in a towel, drop it in an esky or a cambro or chambro, I think is the other term. It's just a, um, a flash esky that's got a really big price tag. 
So that will actually hold the temperature and, until you're ready to serve it? Yeah, so it'll, it'll, it'll hold the meat at um, food safe temperatures. Um, so you can hold it for, oh, look, in terms of catering stuff in a good quality camera, you can hold them for six to eight hours. Um, but for competition, you don't want them ready that early. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just a high quality esky that looks after your meat for you. And you can worry about looking after your chicken rather than opening and closing your lid and losing your pit temperature. So. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Lads. Yeah, so I think I used to stress about pretty much everything from from pits to wood to how long, you name it. Yeah, and I, and I do. I'm, I'm probably the most anxious of all the team members. But um, I think the breakthrough was just saying, you know what, back to Boyd's point, the meat will be ready when it's ready. And especially when you're cooking for friends and family, not, not competition stuff, not freaking out about it's got to be on the table at 6 p.m. So just resetting your mind and saying, you know what, let's all just have a few drinks and when this thing comes out, it's going to be ready and it's going to be right, but not to have to freak out and think, I've got to feed these people or they're going to die before 7 o'clock. So, yeah, it's just, it's just relaxing around the barbecue and that only comes with experience and time with your barbecue and getting to know it and getting to understand it so it doesn't feel like it's an unknown entity. Love it, love it. All right, now... Shank Brothers Barbecue have a very strong social media game um, for potential new teams who might be looking to join us in the next competition. What would be your advice for building a following? So, yeah, well, for a start, I think the biggest thing is have fun. And um, it's all about content. Social media is about content. So content generation, you've got to make it interesting or usable or useful information. Uh, I think that video is obviously a, a massive trend moving forward. People just want to see what you're up to. Um, they, want to they want to live through, through the brand um, and the experience that offers. So definitely um, making content that is viewable and watchable production level always helps where you can just add a little bit of sound production or visual production understanding how to use a camera all those kind of basic things is a, is a great way to help that new team get up on board um, and just be unique be yourself because I think people follow you because you are different or you're unique to the next team next to you so um, try and find a unique gap and um, carve it out for yourselves very nice Facebook live Instagram live that sort of thing Boyd my question for you mate is just how? How do you manage to spend, like, or how do you manage to drive 56 hours across the Nullarbor and then spend an entire weekend competing in a barbecue comp as a one-man team? And the second part of my question is, what do you do for a quid that gives you so much time off to be able to do all these competitions on the other side of the country? All right. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. But, um, yeah, look, um, I've always loved driving. Um, every holiday I go on, I drive. It's a um, bad habit. Just, um, yeah, not the, not the biggest... Oh, look, not worried about a plane, but not the biggest fan of them. I'd rather have my own car and own freedom and um, get to see uh, Outback Australia and um, just have a look around you. Yeah. And to, to me, like, um, so... 12 years working for the same company it allows you you know long service leave and lots of annual leave so you know i've taken nearly six months off now um or a couple of months into it now but um yeah it's great and you know like i've always wanted to drive around australia and this is you know giving me the opportunity to burn extra fuel by towing something that's really heavy around with me um <laughs> and spend extra money on meat <laughs> so but um yeah no look i i, I I don't know. I, I absolutely love cooking in the barbecue comps. Um, 
you know, the, the friends you make and the, and the community that, that, that is the ABA and the barbecue community is like, when I rocked up to Sydney for my first comp, it was like I'd, you know, bumped into long lost friends. It was, it was just amazing that, um, you know, the people, you know, they were like your brother, you know, they, they just looked after you. And if you needed anything, it was like, oh, yep, no worries, come grab it. And, you know, in a, in a lot of sporting communities, opposition teams aren't like that. And to me, it was just an eye-opener of just how f- fun and how much support you get from fellow teammates and also the ABA and stuff like that. So, it's, um, yeah, if you ever want to get involved, it's, um, it's a great sport, but be warned, you'll end up with a dirty great big trailer and a big meat bill. And before and you know it, you'll be driving across the Nullarbor back to Perth to go and compete in Boyd's hometown competitions. Alrighty, uh, George and Sean, as one of the newest kids on the block, what attracted you to competition barbecue and what is the most important lesson you've learned from this competition here this weekend? Um, I reckon, well, every day that I had off, I'd buy something from work on my way home and I just couldn't help myself and the missus would just get sick of me cooking smoked meat all of the time. And I just thought, well, if I'm doing it on every day off, I might as well do it in a big venue so that I'll meet a few people, get some tips instead of cooking for mates that, you know, are going to be nice to me anyway. I might as well cook for people and sort of find out sort of how, you know, if we are sort of as good as we thought we were, which, um, yeah. That's great. Thank you very much. Is Matt there? He's going to be running the microphone out to the crowd for us. Alrighty, if you have any questions for any of the gentlemen on the stage up here, we have a mic coming out. Who wants that one? Hardest thing you've ever smoked, the most difficult. I know this sounds cliche, but every team here, I think, finds brisket a challenge or has at some point. I mean, that... Except smoking hot bros, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a difficult cut of meat, and you think you've conquered it one day, and it will come back and bite you. So it's just such a... Oh, it's, it's terrible. So um, I think as a whole, brisket... And that's why you have competitions like this, because that is the pinnacle in mastering. And I think once you, once you sort the brisket, then you kind of... I think you've got a lot of proteins covered. I wasn't sure where you're going with that at the start. There, I thought you were going to say smoking the other teams was the hardest part. <laughs> where are all the ladies at in the competition? But I mean, you've got a panel of all men. Where are all the ladies at? Yeah, it's. I'll answer this one as well. Look, um, great question, and um, we're we're super super excited to be um, associated with the first Australian all female barbecue team. Uh, called the Shank Sisters, sitting right next to you, actually. And um, just on a side note, too, which is even more exciting, the first competition in Queensland for the year, the ladies won first place in Lamb, beating all the male teams. So there you go. My lamb recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Just ruined the moment. Hi guys, Um, I've been to a few of these and I feel like the competition is completely separated from the public, like it's not, we kind of can walk around and we can see what's happening but we don't find out what happens until right at the end. Like would you welcome more of a public view, like say the first, you know, like when you have chicken wings, like you all get up there and we find out like who won and all that kind of thing or do you kind of prefer 
not to have the public eye in your face for the day? I guess I guess it can at times be a little bit distracting because you you know you you're concentrating so much on you know what you're doing, and I think sometimes when the public come up, um, you know you you want to see what's going on, and and a lot of a lot of people want to eat what you're doing, and it's like well we've got to just get six portions for the box ready, and it can be a bit distracting, but to be honest afterwards. Yeah, I think we, we we definitely love it talking to the punters and you know asking questions and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's a certain time frame where each team will have their head down and sort of business. And then afterwards it's it's really great to talk to you know, to, to yeah, answer your questions and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. There's actually uh, another two components to to answer that as well. There's a very tight hand in window. So typically the public comes once the hand-in starts. And so once the hand-in start, the teams actually have only 10 minutes, five minutes either side of the hand-in time to hand in their boxes. And if they're, more, they're literally more than one second late, even one second late, they're actually disqualified from that round. So they've got to be laser focused at that time to get that box in, which is why when the public's coming around, you may not necessarily be getting the interaction and the responses that you're looking for until after the end, as you were saying. And the second part in terms of um, the public being able to try the food and sample the food, that all comes down to different local councils having different regulations. Yeah, so more of a sense of um, the occasion and the spectre and uh, the competition. Look, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. And um, I think the format yeah. could be really interesting to, to develop and look into further. Um, Certainly from a, from a spectator perspective, seeing the ebbs and flow of the results coming in and one team might be ahead and then two rounds later they're behind, I think that could actually add a whole new dynamic that's really actually quite exciting. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of liking where you're going with this. Changing the face of Australian barbecue. Um, do you guys have a favourite meat, produ meat producer or what does the impact, what, what's the impact of the meat producer have on the ultimate quality of the the chances of success. Um, yeah, obviously, um, you do have favourites um, in terms of. Uh, for me, um, I do yeah, I do, do catering as well, so um, I just look for consistency of product um, and e e ease of pick up and purchase. Price is an issue, but um, like once you pick up a rapport with with a meat supplier. Um, you, the consistency of the product is the is the key because you can go and source products from somewhere else and like you'll end up with China ribs which are absolutely useless for anything, um, and then you know look you're still paying basically not top dollar because you got it cheaper than where you normally get them from but the product but um, in terms of like um, yeah like you know a lot of us are sponsored or aided by meat companies um, in terms of that because. You know, we obviously make their meat look good. So, but um, yeah, it's like um, obviously you, you want the best product you can buy, um, and some of those products are extremely expensive. So they do aid um, your judgments as well. So, you mentioned um, China ribs there before, Boyd. Could you just explain to the crowd what that is and why they're not uh, the most desirable for competitions? Okay, so a China rib is basically. Uh, a lot of the supermarket food chains have them. Um, they're 
basically a pork or even a beef rib, um, and it's just trimmed back to bone. So when you look at it from the uh, external side of the rib bone, you'll see basically the bones all very close to, and basically there's just no meat on them. So if you were to carve off one rib like we do for competition, you wouldn't actually get a bite out of it. It'd just be wafer thin, it'd dry out, hold no moisture and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the, 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 the ribs we buy for competition are a complete... You know, like the, uh, yeah, a rack of shiners probably weighs 750 grams and a decent rack of pork ribs, you're looking, you know, 1.2 to 1.5 kilos. So it's it's twice the amount of meat on the same bone. So that, that, that's the difference between quality and shiners. Uh, when you were first starting out, how did you go about grabbing your first lot of sponsorship? I don't have a sponsor. <laughs> so I think um, uh, it's all about a value exchange, right? So um, you've got to work out what you are um, probably best at um, spruiking, so to speak, or at least um, um, being a champion for. So it could be anything from beer, uh, bearded products to, um, you know, modelling contracts. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there, right? So... Um, you know, you've got to think about what value you would give to that sponsor. And um, there, there are so many people out there that want to partner with um, this community and this sector that um, if, it, if it's a um, mutual success for each people as far as, um, you know, what, what they bring to the table, then um, the world's your oyster. We certainly focused around meat first because that at the end of the day is the showcase of a lot of these events and competitions. And then um, just move through the um, food groups and... Um, Alcohol aisles. Hey guys, this is a question for the organisers. Have you ever considered a People's Choice Award for the uh, tasting of the meat? Um, I've organised this Q&A. Um, I have not actually uh, organised this event. Um, I'm external to the event. So to answer your question, I would love to do that. I think that would be an awesome idea. And I think I actually did see something. They are doing something like that here later today. It, again, it harks back to that uh, different councils have different rules. Um, I know at Bangalore they, they certainly do a sort of a people's choice type token system type thing, but yeah, good idea. Two questions. Cut. Yeah, yeah. I like to cook. It's extra. Hey, um, do you guys use different woods for different cooking, smoking techniques? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we used about uh, four or five different types of wood on different cuts today. Um, yeah, all the way through from uh, we used some pimento for some chicken and, um, and we used apple and cherry, oak. Yeah, a few different types. Do you like to match those particular woods with those particular types of meat? So pimento you matched with? Um, yeah, so we did like, uh, like a jerk chicken as the chicken entry and um, they normally use the pimento tree but yeah so we had to get allspice berries because um, we couldn't sort of get the wood so had to do it that way just to give it a bit of a go and sort of you know apple with pork and that sort of thing just yeah trying to match it as much as we can and then just trying to get those flavors to all work together so as much as we can mix your rubs your injections your woods all together i find if you can make them all marry together then yeah it's not going to hurt <laughs> yeah just on that one um yeah like um I solely use uh, a West Australian hardwood, which is very similar to your ironbark over here, Jarrah, um, for 
absolutely everything except seafood. It just seems to overpower the seafood. But on every other cook, it seems to work all right. Um, it also comes down to the fact that I cook on the one pit. So, it, it, yeah, it's only one fire sauce. So. Yeah, Brenda, would you like to come up on stage and join us up on stage and answer a couple of those questions? So there's a lot of ladies in, in the crowd today, so I think there was definitely a few interesting questions popping up. So now's your chance to ask from female to female um, a few, few questions of what it's like to be on the competition circuit as um, a female competitor. Uh, how do you feel being in what is a male-dominated panel? Like, not like a panel, but you know, in like a, a, a sport, you know? Well, I have to say one of the first reasons I got into this is we did um, Port Mac probably two years ago now and I went as a spectator because Ralph and his team were competing and it is the reason I got into it because I walked around the pits and I said, oh, what are you cooking here, what are you cooking there? And everybody was so giving. And they're like that now at Malula Bar. We forgot a few things, as you always do. You walk next door, what have you got that I need? And they're really happy just to share it with you. So it's a really nice community to be involved in. And the boys look after us as we look after them, I think. Oh, hi, Brenda. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to any females out there wanting to start their own team? Get in there and have a go. It's awesome. It's it's scary to start with, but it's actually not, well, it's not that hard, but if you don't get in there and have a go, you just won't ever know. Hi. Um, do you stay relatively local or do you travel more nationally as well? Um, our team at the moment, we have children, so... If your husband competes as well, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So this year we are doing fairly local. Um, we'll go as far as Port Mac this year um, and we'll probably do Bundaberg, but rest of that we will stay fairly local. Uh, Samantha, what, um, uh, what are the main metrics that you get rated against? Uh, so when you meet, this is probably a more general question, but happy for you to answer it. But what are the, uh, so what's on the, on the award criteria? From a like judging point of view? Yeah. Yeah. Is it dryness? Is it, you know, what, what, what well, are the main criteria? Um, we haven't competed today as a female team. Um, we, all of the girls in our team have done the judging course this morning. Um, they've just updated a few of the rules. So um, as some of the punted asked earlier about having a people's choice, you can get in there, you can um, become one of the judges. It's relatively easy. Find out where the next comp is, put your name down, become a judge. Um, the criteria is appearance, taste and texture. Um, we score out of 10, but the appearance is out of 10, your taste is out of 30 and your texture is out of 20. So it's a total score of 60 from each judge. Hi. <laughs> I have a friend in Atlanta who, um, he, he is grand champion. And I've always wanted to ask him, but it's only on Facebook, so I can't, you know, you know, do those kind of questions on Facebook. So there's got to be more than three categories. You said taste, texture, and appearance. There's got to be more than that, isn't there? I mean, wouldn't there be a whole checklist of things that they're they're 
looking at, you know, s yeah, sorry, I just think we, there's not, there's only three. I think um, you, you use those category, or you use those categories to really just break down um, the key main aspects of, of taste and texture and appearance on it. But it's really to give people flexibility and freedom and creativity to still um, try new things and to ensure that they have got their own creative control over the meats. So if we had a huge checklist of things that it had to tick off, then everyone would ultimately end up doing exactly the same thing. So as long as you um, hand in meat, knowing that those three, three criterias are, are judged against, then that will obviously give you a lot more freedom. So the other, I guess the other backdrop to this is that it is about low and slow. So most teams won't jump on a grill and just flip something and, you know, it's all about um, letting that fat render out, using your smoke as seasoning to really flavour the, the meat. So this is a low and slow kind of competition and that's, that's the focus. But that's a given, I think, maybe. Hi there. Um, so obviously, like you say, Ralphie, today is about low and slow, but what do you guys like to make like during the week on the barbecue or on the grill? Cereal? <laughs> Salad? Uh, after... No. Um, well, yeah. yeah. We, we, we sort of stick pretty... I mean, barbecue you can't eat every day. It's disgustingly rich. It's lovely and you get a craving for it every now and again, but if you ate it every day... Yeah, it's not good for you. So, we we do um, yeah we do a salad and, and grilled meats and and things that are fairly simple, you know, a bit of seafood chucked in there and yeah, just normal stuff. Smoked salmon's a great one. Smoked salmon, it doesn't take that long. It can go into anything. Salads, you can cry back that up, have it on, for lunch the next day. I mean, smoked salmon is so versatile. And it's absolutely phenomenal with that, that smoke. So it's good. What about you, Boyd? Um, yeah, I like it. As I said before, I do a fair bit of catering. So um, during, <laughs> during the week, quite um, sick of barbecue. So, um, yeah, I'd, and shy away from the odd salad too. So, but um, <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, yeah, like a, a steak. And yeah, like. Um, like my favourite in, in, on the barbecue is just the smoked chicken wings. You can't eat, you know, like yeah. simple, quick, nice and easy, heaps of flavour, and um, yeah, you can't beat them. So. For me, anyway, uh, pretty simple. You know, just I got a pretty busy work schedule, so you know, steak, grilled chicken, <laughs> salads, you know, pretty basic stuff during the week. Fish. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. Just sort of. Before I got into this, I used to cook most of the meals at home anyway, so it was just sort of still the same kind of stuff. Try not to have, yeah, don't let my wife hear me say that. Um, but yeah, just try to sort of shy away from some of the, the richest sort of stuff during the week, because when you're eating it every weekend, you don't, yeah, get this figure eating salads every day, that's for sure. On that note, I think that pretty much wraps it up here for the Q&A today, so I'd like to uh, get you all to give a big round of applause and say thank you to the Shank Brothers, Sangropa Barbecue and Cereal Grillers. Make sure you stick around, have a chat afterwards, and do go and check out each of their tents, check out their pits, ask them anything you want. Thanks very much, have a good afternoon.
Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Big round of applause for Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions, Australia's first uh, barbecue podcast. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.